Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Haunted History with Sherry Brake. That's me. In each episode, we'll venture down the not-so-straight path of the paranormal, exploring dark history, the oddness of life and death, covering such subjects as folklore, superstitions, hauntings, cryptids, mythology, the ancient craft, haunted travel, and dark history. This episode focuses on the Granny Witch. Our land has always been rugged here in West Virginia. We've always been a bit separated from the rest of the world. In our past, our communities were much more isolated than they are even now. Anybody who's ever traveled through Appalachia knows that it takes a while. The back roads dip through hollows and hills and twist through the mountains. There are endless offshoots of narrow roads, single track, if you will. Most are gravel, and a few are still dirt roads till this very day. Many of these roads seem to disappear into the hills. This isolation is a distinguishing feature of the Appalachian Mountains, and it is that which has shaped much of the region's culture and the legacy of granny witches as faith healers and midwives. The history of Appalachia itself is the history of the granny witchcraft tradition. Although the name is relatively new, the customs go back a long, long time. A combination of folk magic, faith healing, and superstitions, granny magic was often the only source of aid for people in remote, isolated regions. As the European settlers arrived in the colonies during the 18th century, They brought with them all of their traditions, music, food recipes, stories, folklore, superstitions, and the traditional folk magic and healing methods from their home countries. Mostly women, these healers used the concepts that they'd learned in England, Scotland, and Ireland. Once they settled into the mountains, they met their Native American neighbors who taught them about roots, herbs, and leaves that were indigenous to the mountains of Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, and beyond. They also blended their practice with the sturdy German emigrants who arrived in Pennsylvania and began migrating southward and west over the mountains. Soon, they've been incorporating the knowledge brought to the mountains by people of African descent. This blend of science and magic was peculiar and strange. This magic wasn't the Wiccan magic of today or the magic that uses cauldrons, frogs, and eye of newt. It was the old magic, the old magic of the Scots and the Irish who populated our verdant green hills in the early days and whose blood flows through so many of our veins. This magic had been passed on, mother to daughter, for generations. It was focused on nature and healing. In addition to magical traditions, many of the granny women of the past served as healers and midwives. The granny woman would arrive at the home of a mother in labor with a bag of herbs, roots, and leaves. She would use these to help the mother safely deliver a child, and then she might recite a verse from the Bible or a protective charm to keep both mother and baby healthy. 
Through the ages, granny magic has healed sickness, birthed babies, removed curses, and predicted the weather. In the far reaches of Appalachia, granny witches were often the sole source of medical care and spiritual guidance. Their practices were simple, inventive, and always grounded in the natural world. But yet, there are those who would fear them, and those who we fear, we sometimes ridicule, harass, and even in the old days, burned at the stake or hung from a rope as accused witches. And then, there are those granny witches who still walk the woods and mountain paths, even in death. This is the tale of one such granny witch. The Granny Witch Heed the tale of the old granny witch. Do not venture over the hill and near yon grave. Fear the full moon's arrival, or spectral visions ye may see. The granny witch walked over the hillside behind the shack and started into the woods below. The last time she had ventured into the woods was when the moon was full and had seemed to spring from the top of the mountain. That was just last month. As she scampered down the hillside, the mist was starting to settle in the valley. Granny knew that daylight was fading quickly. She needed to move quick or she would once again be drenched in the coat of darkness, just like the last time. As she headed down the path, she glanced quickly to each side, hoping that she wouldn't be seen. It would mean possible trouble if a townie came across her as she did her work. She found what she was looking for next to the old sycamore tree. Walking a short distance off of the dirt path, she knelt down at the grave. Her gnarled fingers scraped away the moss, scattered twigs, and the matted leaves. She then placed her flowers of white against the cold earth. She sat down abruptly, folded her arms across her chest, and closed her eyes. As darkness approached, stillness came, and with it, the granny witch began to drift in thought. The memories came flooding back, and as they did, bitter tears started to flow. Many years ago, when the large oaks in the woods were still saplings, the old granny witch was young and full of life. She lived near the big woods with two small twin children. The children were not of her blood, as they had been left wrapped in tattered blankets on the back porch of her shack. Abandoned by poor souls who had not the means or the ability to care for them, she thought. So she took them in and named them as she would have her own children. Her life was full of laughter and child's play as the infants grew and toddled about the old house. Life was good. Tragedy struck in the second winter, and the life was taken from both of the children as a mysterious disease ravaged their small bodies. The granny witch tried various poultices, herbs, and tinctures, but none would cure their ailment. She watched in great despair as the sickness took their breath from the small bodies. Her beloved children had passed on into the other world. She was now alone. As the daylight fell into the shadows of early evening, she began to prepare their little bodies, and while washing them gently and dressing them in their finest, 
she began her soulful singing. Her lament rose and fell in a cadence of mountain mourning as old as the ages. One lone grave was dug over the hillside and on the edge of the big woods. Two small bodies were placed in the single grave, each wrapped with tattered remains of the baby blankets they were found swaddled in on her old porch. The townies whispered about the granny witch even more than they usually did, and they believed the deaths of the twins caused her to go mad. Granny made the trek to the little graveside every month when the moon was full. She sat in the dirt and she thought of the twins and how happy she had been in her youth. As she remembered them, she began her chant. It was a low mumble that was as rhythmic as it was ancient. As the incantation continued, she reached inside her cape pocket for the silken bag. She spread the contents from the bag over the grave and made a gesture towards the sky. This night was different. The air seemed colder, the sky darker, and the granny witch thought that the moon had a strange hue to its November glow. She was as still as she could be as she heard the sound again. There it was. There was the sound again. The hair on the back of her neck stood on end. She had heard it, and she was sure. It wasn't her imagination. Muffled footsteps down the pathway caused her to lean forward, and as she peered into the shadows, she saw them. The children hadn't grown or changed at all. They appeared to be two years old and toddled toward her with their arms outstretched. Granny's tears stopped flowing as suddenly as they had begun. She got onto her knees and wrapped her arms around her children. The wind quieted. The moon hid behind the night clouds and even the sounds of the evening ceased. The two children held the old woman's hands and led her into the woods as the mist began to swirl around them. The trio disappeared as the woods seemed to nearly swallow them up. Last week, in these very woods, two teenager hikers took a moonlight stroll. As they walked past the old grave, one teen noticed the wooden headstone. They decided to investigate. At that very moment, the woods seemed to quiet their night sounds. The moon hid behind the clouds, and a mist began to spill down across the hillside behind them. A slight movement out of the corner of their eye caught their attention. On the very path where they had just walked, an old woman was walking slightly hunched over. At each side of the old woman there was a small child with their hand intertwined with the woman's. The trio walked past the hikers who stood with their mouths wide open. They had heard stories about the ghosts in the big woods, but had never thought that they would ever encounter them. As the hikers watched, the trio walked the path and disappeared into thin air, just as the local ghost story has said that they would. As this November's full moon rises, and if you feel a desire to walk the path in the big woods, be very careful. Do not disturb the spectral trio as they continue to walk in the shadows on their own eternal pathway.
hope you've enjoyed this episode of Haunted History with me, Sherry Brake. If you're interested in my events, programs, ghost tours, and international tours, check out my website at www.hauntedhistory.net. I am thrilled to be celebrating 20 years as a business owner and owner of Haunted Heartland Tours. I never see my calling as a true job. What's my calling, you ask? To share my insight, my stories, and my love of this crazy, dark, twisted, and intriguing subject we call haunted history. Remember, ghost stories don't need to be made up. History is frightening enough, don't you agree? Until we meet again, I hope to see you out on the haunted highway. <laughs>